So, the movie, huh? Yep. Fucking frogs. Fucking Goldar. Hello, I am Jay, the Frog Ranger Avenger. And I'm Ashley, host of To Catch a Predator Space Monster Edition. And this is Ranger Splain, a podcast where I, a lifelong Power Ranger fan, takes Ashley through the magical world that is Power Rangers. All right, so this week, um, we didn't go straight into season three. We were actually talking about uh, Power Rangers the movie from 1996. 96, I think. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, Jay has a little bit more experience with the movie here than I do by the nature of this podcast. <laughs> and when it came out, uh, it was it was a big deal when it came out. I remember all the advertising for it. Uh I it was the first movie I went to see opening day that I can remember. Maybe Lion King was before that because my sister was really into Disney back in the day. Mm-hmm. But this was kind of on my own terms, and my dad took me like early. Just to kind of imagine the scene of like early to a mall theater in Gainesville, Georgia. <laughs> Gainesville, Georgia just got a Target, so that tells you how small that city is. And it's, it's like a fucking mall theater, because that was a thing back then. You know, you didn't have the fancy AMCs. You kind of had mall theaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, the line was so huge, it, it actually, like, expanded into the food court area. Remember, we, sta- we stood in front of the, like, TCBY, the frozen yogurt place, uh-huh. for ages. And um, it was a very packed theater, and I just remember really enjoying it, but did feel a little weird because it wasn't, like, canon or anything. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't realize that at the time it was never supposed to be canon, but it just felt kind of weird and off, but I still really enjoyed it. And um, I remember going to McDonald's with my dad afterwards because the Happy Meals had the Power Ranger toys and getting a Rocky figure. Now looking back at that, I'm like, I fucking hate Rocky. <laughs> but uh, I was happy, and overall, it was it was a great memory with my dad. Um, he really enjoyed taking me to it, um, really enjoyed uh, experiencing that bit with me, except dad loved to scare us as kids and like with my sister he would uh be Skeletor and then with me he would do Goldar's voice but uh after that movie he decided to do the zombie leap to our doom thing that the parents did oh no just just randomly would be like leap to our doom and I'm like dad stop it (laughs) but thanks dad oh that's really that's really cute like I mean I like your dad so that's really adorable yeah but yeah, even for me, I have vague memories of this movie. Um, I think specifically from watching it in, like, after-school care. Because I had working parents, so oftentimes I would just get shunted off to an after-school program and just wait for them to come pick me up. And yeah, I don't remember where exactly I saw the, at least the part from where Zordon gets, like, is dying to, like, re- like Ivan Ooze, like, basically throwing the goo on Rita's mouth to shut her up. But I kind of have vague, like, imprinted memories of that somewhere in my brain. But, you know, child of the 90s, like, even when I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers, there were still bits of it I got from Osmosis before meeting Jay so yeah even like me I have vague memories of this movie just being a child of the 90s Um, let's see how it holds up let's go over the plot um which is more so than most things because it's a movie it has to have a plot right uh Ivan Ooze the main villain gets loose causes mayhem and attempts to kill Zordon by this attempted murder uh Zordon is helpless and our heroes lose their powers so they are transported to a faraway planet Phaedos 
uh, where they get the animal powers of the Ninjetti. They use these animal powers to destroy avenues, and much 90s and dick endangerment was had. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not really going to go over, like, the ranger characters in this movie because, like, it's the same as, like, the second half of season two of Power Rangers. Like, we've, we've talked about them. We've talked about Adam and Rocky and Aisha. And we've talked endlessly about, you know, Billy and Kimberly and Tommy. So it's like, you know, they're themselves in this movie. Like, nothing has really been added or taken away. Well, little bit's been taken away, but we'll get into that. But nothing, like, even though it's non-canon, they're still essentially their characters. And Bulk and Skull are there as well. And they're still essentially Bulk and Skull. But, uh, yeah, let's get into the new characters that are introduced in the movie. Uh, Ivan Ooze, we'd like to note that he was a salty old gay. Oh, my God. He is such high camp. Like, I don't know if it's just coming with the fact that, like, um... Oh God, what is, this, what is his name? Paul Freeman is just chewing the scenery as much as he can or just like just the entire like uh, just the entire idea of this character just being like an evil ooze lord. Like, but he is clearly having a great time and like is just having just the campiest experience and is dressed entirely in purple, even when he's a wizard. Even when he's a carny wizard. Carny wizard. Carny wizard. Nick should dress up like that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our friend uh, Nick Iggy is um, a wrestler of, I guess they're still around called the Carnies. Yeah, let's, they're still trying to work things out, I think, maybe. I I don't know. I have some questions <laughs> after December, but like, let's not get into it. They're at least going to be competing at a show called Love is a Battlefield. Um, maybe carries more of the wizard. Yeah. He's certainly the backbone of Tennessee wrestling. I'll give him that. Yeah. But yeah, so... Yeah, I definitely, we loved Ivan Ooze, and I think he's actually been one of the best villains we've seen so far in Power Rangers. And I'm just going by, like, you know, our Monsters of the Week, Zed and Rita and their various stooges. And um, he's actually, like, all, he almost killed Zordon and depowered the Rangers. Like, he was able to do what, like... Rita and Zed couldn't do within, like, two years. Right. So, but ultimately, he is, like, his hubris is what brings him down. He was an Icarus. Flying too close to the sun. <laughs> or to quote Shane Day, he, he made a, a 180 degree towards the sun and started playing chicken with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is actually like, he's sort of like, uh, Paul Freeman is like the esteemed actor in this movie compared to everyone else. Like he was in Hot Fuzz. Uh, you pointed out he was the evil archaeologist in Raiders, so we saw his face melt twice. Yeah, it was Renee Belloc, I think the name of the evil archaeologist was. But, like, you know, the Nazi scientist from fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or, well, he was French, but, you know, there were French Nazis, so what, what does it even matter? Um, but, yeah, it belongs in a museum. So, yeah, it's like, I, lo I, I just love older actors who get cast in movies, like, mostly just to appeal to their grandkids or kids, and they just ham it up the entire time. Rob Julia is a great example. Yeah, um, oh God, what was the name of the first actor who played um, Dumbledore in Harry Potter? I forgot he died i know that yeah he mostly did it for his kids like his grandkids he so. fucking hated dumbledore and you know what after what we found out for a good reason why he hated dumbledore yeah but he he was delightful in the part um which works for the richard first. something yeah not burton richard burton's been dead for a while but anyway so um our next character is dulcia which not, not. I yeah I'm I'm I recognize myself as like that bisexual 
because, oh my God, Gabrielle Fitzpatrick was so pretty and they put her in so little clothing. And it's like, the feminist in me is like, it was like this, this Jane Lynch quote of like, the feminist in me is like appalled, but the lesbian in me is delighted. <laughs> And um, yeah, so so it's kind of weird because I did end up doing a little bit of research on it. Mostly, and by research, I mean looking up on IMDb and other stuff. Is that she had a very different, well, not different backstory. She had more backstory in the script. Yeah, like um, there was going to be a whole thing about like you know they actually clarified that like she helped um Zordon defeat Ivan Ooze because you have the whole like prologue at the beginning saying like the ancient rangers were the ones that put Ivan Ooze away, but you never actually get to meet them. Meet them, and I guess you technically meet one of the old rangers with Dulcia but you know they never really mentioned that at all you just know that she knows Zordon and she trusts Zordon's judgment which okay I don't know why you would trust Zordon's judgment on anything but maybe he was not as like dementiaed when they teamed up yeah, I mean, it was like a thousand years ago, so I, I would imagine he's not. Um, and she was supposed to have like her, her, her uh, you, you list here, kicking Yoda pad. Yes. Because there was supposed to be like, allegedly there was a scene that they filmed with uh, actually Mariska Hardigay from uh, goddamn like. Uh, Law and Order SVU. Yeah, it's like she played the part for a bit because uh, Gabriel Fitzpatrick had an ovarian cyst that caused her to drop out of the role for several months. Mm-hmm. And so they had Mariska Hardigay come in and film a bunch of the scenes and included like like her training the rangers and them having like a slumber party with color-coordinated sleeping bags. Because of course it's Power Rangers. They have color-coordinated sleeping bags on goddamn Fados, which is like on the other end of the universe. Yes. And um, and she was supposed to have a little obnoxious sidekick. I, I, I saw the name on IMDb and I should have notated that and that's on me. But, like, she was supposed to have, like, a little obnoxious puppet sidekick who was, like, mostly just make fun of Kimberly. And he was going to be, like, the comic relief that only she could understand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they cut all of that because, like, I guess Mariska didn't really fit the role. And then Gabriel Fitzpatrick got better. And then so they had her come in and refilm some of the parts. But I guess at that point they were Press over budget time. and over time. So they were just sort of, like, eh, it's just hand wave a bunch of that stuff and um yeah the thing is is that even i would kind of be interested to see those scenes of like mariska um to see if like she still feels like she's supposed to be in a different movie but like the whole thing about dulcia as hot as she is she feels like she belongs in an entirely different film i think you described it as like she just like belongs in one of those conan the barbarian films yeah like she's supposed to be like in like uh, some sort of like sword and like sword and sorcery conan the barbarian knockoff like to there to be you know assist the hero which she does but she's assisting a bunch of 90s teenagers who are on a faraway planet that looks like the planet that luke lives in and return not return of the jedi the last jedi um and by luke i mean luke skywalker obviously and like there's a very star wars vibe to her too so like i imagine like she got added from like a a vague somewhere in the 80s like star wars conan combination knockoff um but she's in a power rangers movie which is weird yeah um but as a character she basically because of what they all cut out. Mm-hmm. She wasn't, like, the new mentor or anything of the movie. She just basically established the ninjetti powers and turned to an owl. And we never know why. As a kid, I figured out that was her ninjetti spirit. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's good. I think it's a good extrapolation. But I do love her excuse as to why, like, she doesn't go past the platform. And she's just like, I will turn old and wither. And it's just like, she's like, I wouldn't be hot anymore. Come on. Um, But, yeah, so she... 
unfortunately doesn't do much. And I feel like that would have just, she would have been a really interesting character, especially if you establish her as a past ranger, or at least somebody who had association with Zordon has great powers besides her like spinning, whistling staves. But yeah, she's, she's hot. She looks like she belongs in a different movie. It looks and sounds like she belongs in a different movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, unless we ever get to see those scenes that they filmed with Mariska Hardigay, which I, I don't know if they're out there or not. And like on a special edition that's better than ours. <laughs> uh, we, we got the Probably cheap. Probably on YouTube or something. Yeah, we got the cheap. Um, Combo turbo movie and everything. Yeah, it was $10 on Amazon for the two films. So we paid a total. Well, Jules paid a total of $5 for this movie. Um, so yeah, I guess that moves us on from away from Phaedos and back to Earth uh, with Fred. Uh, he's the kid hero. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mostly there to establish the point of view with the point of view character for the characters on Earth, like what's going on with Ivy News, how he's you know digging up his endomorphicons, uh-huh. uh, and also like what's going on in Angel Grove. But also, you know, he, for the kids watching in the audience, he's supposed to like be the anchor character for them yeah like i think we did we i don't know if we talked about this in private or on the first podcast about how teenagers are often like the that kind of bridge character between an adult and like a kid but like i think it helps especially like in a movie like this um where stuff is happening on earth and stuff and then stuff is happening on a faraway planet to have like your main character that's being focused on being a child especially if most of the people are in your audience are going to be around that age um and uh one of the things we'd like to point out is uh he he has a single parent either divorced dad who's you know he just lives with his dad mostly and his mom lives in another state or another county in california or um he's widowed i always go on the widowed because i'm dark and morbid he is um <laughs> I, I, I really have no stake in that fight, but it's just, yeah, it's very clear it's just him and his dad. Um, and he's not a bad character. He's not. Like, you know, it's kid movie, like, kid movie characters, especially kids in kid movies, do, you have to have to walk a fine line with because, like, a lot of times, like, sometimes the actors may not be as good or, like, you know, they kind of focus too much on, like, what they like adult like the, the adults writing the kids film try to focus too much on what they think kids would be into and sometimes just fuck it up massively um but he's not a bad character he's not obnoxious and jamie croft did a very good job uh, for the time we do see him and like the thing is finding out he was australian like i would not have clocked that his american accent was pretty decent uh and then i was when when writing this podcast out i was today years old find out he was young Crichton on farscape yeah i i've only seen like an episode of Farscape, but I just saw that on his IMDb page. But yeah, apparently he's still an actor, does voice a lot of voice acting in uh, Australia, so good for him. And he didn't really deter the plot either. Um, so like I said, as I mentioned before, sometimes when adults are writing kids' movies, they try to focus too much on like being, you know, bright and spangly for a kid um, or deter it too much. And instead, it's like, no, they kept it very much going along the plot and Jamie was a good driver of that plot because he's the only one that seems to realize hey our parents are gonna die you guys yeah this is this is an issue and then um i guess our last character is mordaunt who was the stand-in for uh babu and squat and And he was the pig with the monocle yeah we were like i just remember watching mordaunt as a kid Mm -hmm. and just and watching him now as an adult like thinking what is the purpose of this character you could have just had goldar yeah and like he's doesn't really say much or do much he's just sort of 
there. Like, he's not even an effective, like, comic relief or commentating character. And, like, I, I decided to look it up. Well, first of all, I'll look up his name because we just kept calling him the pig with the monocle because I don't know if they ever actually say his name in the movie. And, um... And then, like, he also, like, so that's how I found out, like, the term Mordant has, like, two meanings. Like, Mordant either means that you kind of have a very, like, straightforward, sarcastic sense of humor. Which he didn't have. Which he didn't have. And it also is the thing that binds um, fabric dye to the fabric. So he wasn't even helpful in that way. So it's like he's not funny He's not helpful. He's not even, like, useless. Like, at least Goldar is aggressively useless. <laughs> he tries his best. He tries his best. Does not succeed. Uh, but, like, he wasn't even trying anything. He was just sort of standing around being a giant pig in a monocle. And it, when the endomorphicons, like, were dug up and trashing the city, he just disappears. They don't explain what happened to him. I mean, like, Ivan Ooze fried him or something. But then he co- shows up in the mid credit sequence when, like, Goldar is making him be, like, his waiter. And that's when Ivan, uh, not Ivan, um, Zed and Rita come back and Goldar's like, uh-oh. And then, uh-oh, we're in trouble place. Oh, yeah. Which, that is so, we're, we're about to get into this about, like, that movie is so 90s is that like it also has like a one-hit wonder british pop duo singing a catchy tune it was like that was such a thing in the 90s it was. It was a, it's catchy 90s catchy british one-hit wonders what let's get off on the characters and talk about the movie a little bit and uh this movie was weird yeah it was really weird um so basically like watching it after watching a couple of seasons of like mighty Morphin with jay like the best way i could put it was it was like watching a power rangers movie where you asked me someone who had a vague idea of power rangers before we started any of this to write a Power Rangers movie only using the cultural osmosis I had and what Jay had told me. Granted, if I had got, made a Power Rangers movie based on what Jay tells me, it would be a lot gayer. Yeah, Rocky and Adam would have fucked in that movie. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, I mean, also it's just like, I don't know. It's like if you ever, if you're a Sailor Moon fan and you've ever seen like Nako Takeuchi's like original designs for the Sailor Scouts or Sailor Senshi, whatever, you know them by both names, don't be that asshole. If you ever see like her original designs for the characters and also see that one like delicately drawn design of Usagi holding a gun and you sort of like it it was like imagining that universe where this the power this Power Rangers movie was the canon and Usagi also has a gun um a lot of it had to do with the fact I later found out that a lot of the crew the writers and all that they had no idea what the fuck Power Rangers were. They had a vague idea through cultural osmosis, but none of them watched an episode or anything. Yeah, I think it's said in like the IMDb trivia is that a lot of the, the people working on the movie just sort of hit fast forward on season one of uh, Mighty Morphin, which understandable. Yeah, uh, that move, that season is bad. But like, so you don't really get an idea of like what you kind of have an idea of what the characters are supposed to look like and how they're kind of supposed to act. But other than that, like they don't really it doesn't really follow the formula of a Power Rangers episode. Like it just it, like it. Movies based on TV shows, especially children's TV shows, have a tendency to be an overlong episode. Yeah. But this didn't even feel like an overlong episode. It It felt like a short season. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's, yeah, it was weird. Um, A 
couple things we like to note. Um, Goldar's suit looked fucking awful. Yeah, I don't know what it was about, like, Zed, I mean, Zed was gonna look like Zed because Zed's costume was an American creation, and Rita's is, like, they either got a good approximation of how it, l- it looked based off of Bandora's costume, or, like, they managed to get the costume from Japan, but it just, they looked fine. Mordaunt was Mordaunt, he's an original creation, so let's not pay attention to that. So was Ivan Ooze. So was Ivan Ooze, and he looked fine, but Goldar, I don't know what it was. Like, it was just like, I don't know if they were trying to improve it or trying to recreate it. And it's like, the face was just all mushed and weird. Like, it was like, Goldar in the original series is like, when you order something online and Goldar in the movie is like, when it arrives. And you told me after the fact that it was apparently his eyes and his mouth were CG. And I'm glad I did not notice that. (laughs) Because I would have probably fucking screamed. Um... Uh, Zordon got an upgrade appearance. Um, they basically uh, did very similar, except instead of like the blurring effect that they do with the head, they actually just composited uh, it over like a bubble, basically. Yeah, and okay, so when we listened back to the first episode, I basically had that explosion reaction to finding out that like he has a different look and then you see his mouth move in the movie but then i saw it and it's like oh it's not bad it's it's a little weird especially compared to how like how we see zordon because it just sort of looked like they just painted his face white with like a clown white uh foundation Mm -hmm. and then just had him talk in front of like a green screen or something like that and just composited it over i mean it was unsettling to see that compared to sort of the blurry effect and um in the tv show but it wasn't it wasn't bad just weird yeah um it was weird to see him outside the capsule yeah and he looked oh my god he just looked like end of return of the jedi when like like luke takes off like his like darth vader's helmet and like he's like he looks at anakin in his eyes for the first time and he's all like gray and like decrepit because like you know he's a long-standing burn victim mixed with being a sith yeah, Mist would be in a Sith. And it was just like, he looked like Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. Do not tell me I'm wrong about this. <laughs> it was so weird. And it's just like, th- this is Zordon? This is like, I don't know. An- like, they just got Anakin Skywalker's body double from, like, Return of the Jedi on discount. Um, the acting was better because uh, they had a director that wasn't just, I guess, they picked up. I don't know how they selected directors for Power Rangers, but the Brian Spicer, uh, who who did X-Files episodes, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., McHale's Navy. Like, he actually knows how to direct actors. So it was it was interesting to see these characters that we know and have grown to love. Mm-hmm. Like, actually being able to have range and act. Like, they even improved on JDF's acting. And JDF's acting in Mighty Morphin is, like, hilariously bad. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, at this point, like, a bunch of them are improving in acting, for sure. But, like, yeah, I think it's 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 a marked difference between their acting in the TV show, which I would imagine is a lot of, like, people who don't have a whole lot of directing experience versus, like, somebody who actually knows how to direct actors. And, like, as we've learned, I'm going to, I'm sorry to keep making all the Star Wars references, having a good director who knows how to direct an actor makes all the difference, George Lucas. Yeah, if you notice that all the all the Star Wars themes, films people hold to esteem, with the exception of Last Jedi, because people are idiots, mm-hmm. um, are ones that have directors that aren't George Lucas. Where the prequels had the director was George Lucas, and mm-hmm. it shows. Right. I mean, but 
let's we're not gonna get on that rabbit trail today. No. Um, one of the things I pointed out to you because I rewatched it before mm-hmm. actually watching it with you uh-huh. was like it felt like a '90s time capsule. Yeah, and I definitely agreed with that when we started watching it because like the opening scene is literally the Power Rangers jumping out of a plane, skydiving to the Red Hot Chili Peppers covering higher ground, and like, and then the next scene after like the Angel Grove like fundraiser for like the the skydiving was Uh, like it it was for the um it was for the astronomy center okay yeah i just it's it's always some sort of fundraiser that like of course these six kids are like participating in because they are the backbone of that city yes um so after that then they're rollerblading and then like the soundtrack is super 90s and everybody's like it was free ride yeah like free ride wasn't like a 90s song but it was still like just like that entire vibe felt super 90s to have like some older song playing over like characters doing something like bubbly and carefree like rollerblading and smiling and yeah and then just the entire soundtrack felt very 90s like include like i mentioned earlier with like shampoo um being like that was such a thing in the 90s was there's always like these like british pop bands that had like a one-hit wonder in the united states and would get popular for like a hot minute like you know the captain marvel trailer had connection by elastica in it and like well granted most of my connection with elastica is through phonogram but still yeah and it was just everything about it was so 90s even the power rangers because the power rangers was a big cultural thing in the 90s right and then like of course one of the things about like 90s humor was a lot of dick jokes dick jokes there were so many like there were two well there are two but even for power rangers that's a lot uh the first one was uh rocky almost got his uh bit speared by um like a monster and we're sad about that because he's a serial killer yeah because it's like what is yeah it's like he he doesn't need his dick no but yeah that was such an that was probably mostly for like the adults who were definitely gonna get dragged along but I also laughed at that because of the line, oh, that was close. I'm like, ha dick almost got killed. Well, yeah, I mean, you know me. I'll always laugh at, like, somebody getting punted in the nuts. So, like, that was also funny. But what was also funny is that Aisha saves the day by hitting a button in the Zord. It's emergency use only. And she literally, the Zord just literally, like, knees Ivan Ooze, like, was it the, the what was it? Ectomorphicon. The Ectomorphicon Zord in, like, whatever they wanted to call it, in the nuts and then just hit like blasted into a comet so literally the day was saved by nut punching shinsuke nakamura would be proud <laughs> yeah so like you or you specifically noted ivan ooze was punted like christopher daniels punted aj styles <laughs> which is a really only a note that jay would make <laughs> thanks only i would make tna notes about christopher daniels well at least not on a power rangers podcast <laughs> But no, uh, there is, it it was like one of the TNA, it was when Frankie got his head shaved. I know that much. But like there's this bit where all of a sudden, like AJ's talking to like Christopher Daniels and Christopher Daniels just punts AJ right in the groin. Shin and all. Yeah, if you you ever watch, if you ever see the video, which I'm sure I'm going to find it for the show notes of like AJ Styles getting hit in the nuts set to the 1812 overture. It's there. Yeah, but... (laughs) It's like, yeah, you can't really do an 1812 overture to all the nut punting and like Power Rangers the movie, but like, yeah, it's there. It's there. And um, we all laughed at it as kids. Yeah. Uh, here's my bit of rant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out that this line was ad libbed, but Adam being a frog pissed me off because 
it, it's like people point to Cocker Ranger, but I'm like, Cocker Ranger really didn't do much with the animals. That was just their like fucking robots. Yeah. So like it had little to do with Cocker Ranger. Mm-hmm. It, it was basically like they just pulled out of their ass that Adam's like Dinjetti spirit is a fucking frog. And they give like everyone else like dumb explanations why. I think Rocky was powerful and smart and we laughed <laughs> at that because Rocky is not smart. I guess he's technically powerful. He's, he's a Power Ranger. He's, he's powerful, but he, he's not smart so you know they're, they're giving everyone all these things and adam was just like i'm a fucking frog and dulcia just went oh yeah like like you kiss and you get a handsome prince so the only thing adam was useful for was like being handsome uh, that pissed me off greatly well, finding out that line is ad-libbed, it at least makes Dulcia's response make sense, because I'm yeah. sure it was just the actress being like, well, fuck, how do I respond to this? Because <laughs> I agree, Johnny. Why the fuck were you a frog? But hilarious, um, when I was a teenager and uh, my sister told me that one of the Power Rangers voiced Bash the Stampede, it took a while, like, she didn't know who. And it just, it was just like, which Power Ranger? I know that voice. And then it hit me just one time watching Trigon and did the, the line, I'm a frog hit my like head like a freight train and i'm like oh it's johnny <laughs> it's fucking adam from power rangers that was probably the funny thing is that's probably one of his better delivered lines yes. in like so far in the history of power rangers i'm a frog i'm a frog fuck this noise he looks so sad about it yes um oh going back to the 90s shit also like like a marketer of the 90s is really bad cgi oh the zords were so it was cool at the time i loved it and then watching it as an adult i was like what the fuck this is really terrible like you had the t-1000 in like 1990 what like they were 91 91 was when the movie came out but they were filming rel in 1990 yeah so around they were they already came up with this technology around 90 91 so i'm like okay what the fuck I'm just wondering if that actually saved them money at the time because, like, you know, at this point, CG was still fairly new. Like, the main times it had been, like, notably used in feature film was, again, with the T-1000 and the, um... the Terminator. Bo- well, yeah, T-1000 and Terminator. Um, and then also, um, the ballroom scene in, um... Beauty and the Beast, Beast. Uh, which I think they also use some of it in Aladdin, and Aladdin would have probably come out around the same time. Um, So, like, Disney has the money to sink into that for their animation, but I'm just wondering how, like... How how much over budget were they that they had to not sink in money to the Zord battle? Right. Um, So I don't know how, if, like, the CG would have been more expensive at the time than just having regular Zords. I mean, I make fun of how weird the Zords look, like, on the TV show, just because, like, it's, you know, it's very clearly an actor in a suit, against or, like or a toy or a toy and there's like toys on the ground to like indicate cars and it's so obvious but it at least kind of has like a realm of like being realistic versus like this really 90s very still very shiny very blocky pastiche of like 3d animation because toy story hadn't even come out at this point i yeah. don't think no it hasn't um but yeah going back onto our like notes that we have here after adam's a frog we also kind of just like aisha and kimberly got thrown under a bus they got played dirty in this movie like they give 
like uh, Aisha gets like the like like the, the the spirit of the bear, and who's like means that she's like confident, like confident and like strong, brave, yeah, braver. And then like pretty much like from the point where the the Power Rangers lose their powers and are on Fados to get their new powers, Kimberly and Aisha are just become suddenly useless. Aisha even before that, because in the like like battle with the um, Ivan Ooze Goonies. Uh, uh-huh. The ooze monsters. I don't know what they're called. Fuck it. Ooze goonies. <laughs> <laughs> but she was, she didn't get a kill on any of them. Mm-mm. And she was like, she and also Adam were kind of tossed around. Yeah. And it's just like, but yeah, basically like, it didn't really hit me that this, I thought like watching the movie, it's like I've, up to like before the particular point with like the bone dinosaur, I thought, oh, Kimberly and Aisha feel off but maybe it's just me and it's like they haven't really been seen a whole lot in the movie because like at that point Kimberly had been nearly kidnapped by like the Tengu warrior and then she was yelling for Tommy yeah and then like again when the bone dinosaur like kind of corners Kimberly and, and she I, starts and Aisha and Aisha and like Kimberly starts yelling for Tommy and of course Tommy's there to like save the day because he's the leader of the Power Rangers and he apparently knows everything but it's just like I'm not gonna say that like Power Rangers is high feminist art but, like, the TV show at least showed Aisha and Kimberly as being members of the team and strong and capable. And I'll say Trini as well. Like, it, they've shown the women of the Power Rangers to be just as strong and capable Billy as... would be dead without Trini. Yes. As, you know, as the as the male Rangers. So I don't get what it's just, like, all of a sudden, like, now that they're in a movie and, like, whoever's writing it just has decided it's just, like... They're women. They're women. They're, they're just going to scream for the men. Yeah, and it's just, like, well, we've, we've gotten a slight step up from, like, the He-Man movie of the 90s where it's just, like, well, we don't need She-Ra because we already have Tila. But, like, you know, it's, like, oh, well, we have two girls, but they're still going to be useless. Yeah. And it's just obnoxious. And it's just so 90s trope just to have a girl there just for the 80s and 90s or even before that it's just so tropey to just have a girl there to be like help me help, help me, me random man help me and when when again like you said they're not like that on the show they have their own centric episodes they often save the day you know they, they are their own characters and here they're just sort of i mean they're still kimberly and aisha but it's just also like why are they suddenly dumb like Kimberly and Aisha would have just also have taken care of some of those monsters handily and like I'm sure Kimberly like if you just like Kimberly if you were writing like the the bone dinosaur in a TV episode Kimberly would just would have she might have been cornered but she would still try to kick it in the face while she was like Mm -hmm. yelling at Tommy for help instead of just being like Tommy Tommy help me I can't do anything I'm the crane Let's just say it. All the ninjetti like like animal vibes are really dumb. I liked Billy. Billy, he was the which one again? The wolf who was cunning and swift. Yeah, that made sense. Everyone else was kind of like, what? <sighs> and then of course we get to Goldar's infamous line when um, basically Ivan Ooze is like basically playing around and going like, oh, it's the cute little pink ranger here to save the day. You know? In high camp fashion. In like... high camp fashion. It wasn't creepy or anything. It's just like, oh, look at the cute girl trying to do something. Yeah. And so then, more sexist, but it makes sense for Ivan Ooze. But, and then Golder goes, you think she's cute too, huh? And the face Ashley made, it is on my Twitter. We're going to put it in the show notes. Holy shit. I... I'm going to call the cops on Goldar. Like, oh my God, how how do you get a line that gross and pedophilic 
in a goddamn kids movie from a fucking monster. So it's like, how often do you think about Kimberly like this, Goldar? How often are you just like in like Rita's lair just thinking about how much you just want to fuck Kimberly? Like, what the fuck? I am going to skin your lion monkey ass and wear it as a fur coat, you goddamn creepy pedo monster. <sighs> yeah, fuck Goldar. Yeah, fuck him. I, I, I already hated Goldar before this, but this is just established to me that Goldar is the worst villain on this fucking show. And I probably the microphone there a little bit but we'll fix it in post so yeah that that's pretty much all we can say about the movies because there's not much in depth we can go about the characters because they're just they don't move or anything they're just kind of there yeah like it's it's a movie it's yeah there's not a whole lot there it's a two hour uh, no it's not even two hours it's 90 minutes and so like it's you know it's a movie it, it it has a plot it has a beginning middle and end you felt it was mostly harmless except for the goldar bit yeah like i don't hate it and it's it's fine and the goldar bit is fucking creepy and there's a lot of sexism subtle as it is in the film but it's like yeah it's it's fine it's not hurting anybody it's it's there i i think it's not the most amazing movie on the planet but i still had fun and i admit that maybe it was like that nostalgia lens of having good memories with it and viewing it as an adult and i enjoyed it so much as a kid uh but now i know it's a bad movie all right but i i still actually pretty much enjoyed it and minus the cgi scenes and goldar's creepy lines and the sexism and it, it kind of held up even if it was just a 90s timepiece. Yeah, and, and we kind of hit an impasse here, and I don't really... It, Jay still enjoys it, and, you know, that's cool. I, I'm just sort of like, eh, it's, it's a movie. It's, it's something we watched. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not going to make me angry, and I'm probably even going to forget, like, half the plot in about six months. You're just going to remember Dulcia was hot. Yeah. Not. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway... Um, so what's coming up with our next month? Next month's episode. Our next month will be Mighty Morphin season three, um, and it will be bittersweet for a reason. Uh. Um, as always, we like to thank David Tiber for the equipment and Super Beetle for the name. And you can find us at Ranger. Spl- uh, you can find us at Ranger Splain on Twitter. It's at Ranger Splain. And uh, by the time this podcast is out, uh, you'll be fi- able to find us on WordPress at rangersplain.wordpress.com. Uh, should also be able to find us on iTunes at this point or and podcast.com, wherever yeah. you find your fine podcasts. Um, I am, uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at jjackets. That's basically where I live. I also live on my Twitter, and that's at MissKittyF. And if you're interested in Instagram type things, that is also my Instagram handle as well, though I use it less frequently. I don't even use my Instagram. No, you don't. As always, we arrange your spleen and may the power protect you. Go, go, go.